Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome, everyone. This time we're starting with 2 Samuel. We're glad you can join us. Lovely, will you pray for us? Or Charles, I'm sorry. Will you pray for us? Yes. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for helping us to get through 1 Samuel, showing us everything in the book that you have for us, Lord, and just making it great for us as a family and as a group, Lord, and making it pleasant and fun, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for everything that is stored in the whole Bible, not just this one book, Lord, but everything you have in the whole word for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So good morning, everybody. If you're just joining us, we've already completed 1 Samuel, the entire book of 1 Samuel, and now we're moving on to 2 Samuel. So, you know, go back and listen to those those podcasts and those postings and catch up with us and discover the word and listen to the Holy Spirit for yourself and see what he wants to minister to you about life and walking with him as a believer. So, um, yeah, let's get started. Did you have something you wanted to say, sweetheart? No, uh, we're just start in second samuel chapter one okay <clears throat> so could i have someone volunteer to read the first 16 verses i will all right layla and it says now it came to pass after the death of saul when david had returned from the slaughter of the amalekites and david had stayed two days in ziklag on the third day behold it happened that a man came from saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head so it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, Where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. Then David said to him, How did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, The people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. So David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and Jonathan his son are dead? Then the young man who told him said, As I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul, leaning on his spear, and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, Please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Therefore, David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. And so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Then David said to the young man who told him, where are you from? And he answered, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. So David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Wow. <laughs> Layla, you can barely hold it together when right? you're talking <laughs> tearing your clothes and putting dust on their heads. Why is that so funny to you? <laughs> I 
it's just like I've seen it in like TV shows and <laughs> the character looks so crazy doing it. So I'm like, oh. So, but I mean, it, not funny that he was upset, but just, you know how they go, <laughs> no. <laughs> so the, so. The, the dramatic image that it <laughs> yes. creates in your mind. Mm. Do you understand the significance behind that and um, what it is expressing? What, tearing your clothes and the ash on your head? The level of remorse. Yes. That's how everybody knows how serious it is to you. That you tore your only robe for this person. You, you tore your garment that it took so long to make. Exactly. And it's woven. I mean, that's some pretty good strength. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's significant. It conveys something very deep that when everybody sees it, you know, they don't snicker. They go, oh, he must be really in agony. He tore his, you know. His one piece of clothing. Um, his one garment he tore it whatever right and but then so did everybody else here everybody else so showing what or displaying what respect respect, but also unity being of the same mind and in one accord Mm -hmm. they all had did this right Mm -hmm. yes someone in this case david started led the way if you will you're right as the example but everyone else followed suit so showing the unity amongst them is significant. Even though this was for Saul, right? And we're going to discuss that in more detail. But, um, well, we can discuss that for much of First Samuel uh, concerning how Saul was living. And he wasn't following the Lord, being pleasing to him. But it didn't change the fact of the position that God had put him in. Exactly. And it was for God to place him and for God to remove him. Exactly. And it wasn't for David or anybody else to take that upon themselves. It, it just wasn't. Because David had yes. at least a couple opportunities mm-hmm. that are written in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And he refused because he recognized that it wasn't his place. Absolutely. It, it was so. his place in the fact that the Lord had anointed him to be the king. It wasn't mm-hmm. his timing. So he had to remain in the Lord's perfect will. Mm-hmm. And even with that, it was God to put David in the position. Yes, you have been anointed, but it's God who places you in the position as well. He, he takes care of all of that. He doesn't need you to take over any portion of it and you know slap his hand out of the way so you can do it yourself. He's got it. He had the plan and the idea. He's got the method, right? He's got the means. He's got the timing and the seasons. He's got all of that, and he just wants us to walk with him, listen to him, obey what he's saying. And, you know, for our listeners, you're going to hear us say this over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. because there's no point where we should become our own God by taking God out of the way, ceasing, departing from listening to him to now go, I'm going to carry it out in my flesh. Because the flesh can only produce fleshly results. And in your flesh dwells no good thing, especially flesh that's not submitted to the Most High God. It cannot produce anything good. It produces sinful, treacherous things. So walk in that covenant with the Lord and stay with him. Don't depart. Don't go, oh, I got two parts of it. Or, Lord, you're taking too long. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to help you out. That's not what he asked us to do as believers. He wants us to walk with exactly. him. And to wait on him. Mm-hmm. Trust him. That's it. So what else? Or what questions does anyone else have? What comments? Uh, more, most importantly, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you 
in this section of scripture? Um, I found it interesting that David just so happened to go. He just returned from killing the Amalekites, and then an Amalekite shows up. I find it quite interesting that they're there one day, they're the next day. Okay. Why yes. he lied about killing Saul. I don't think he lied. I think he was telling the truth. But this is, like, from chapter, um, was that 31? From chapter 31, this perspective, now we're getting into more details coming into first, um, first Samuel, I mean, second Samuel chapter 1. So I don't think he lied. I well, think no, he's, it does deviate from what is written, right? Yes, it does. Chapter 31, 3 through 5. Not mistaken. Because Saul killed himself by falling on his sword. Right. He but, says that he, to, to do that, but the more accurate details, for me, I don't know, you guys don't necessarily see it that way, but for me, I just, I feel like this is more details coming in. Because Saul. Like maybe Saul was already dying and he wasn't quite dead yet and the Malachite guy. So he asked, and it says he asked the armor bearer, and then he took his sword and fell on it. But the armor bearer also killed himself. Sure, but... So those details would not have been disclosed. I mean, the, the individual was probably around, but the fact that he said that he did it and all those other things... Not the armor bearer or Saul fell on his right, own sword. That's who he was discussing it to, who Saul was discussing it with, was the armor bearer. So you have an individual who was, and as I read this... and. Mm -hmm. He's trying to take credit for something yes, to gain favor or, or whatever, right? which is a fleshly thing. Right? Well, I'll get uh, his desire was to be rewarded or wh whatever the way, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Wanted to be rewarded by David. That's why he also took the crown and he took the bracelet. But he clearly didn't anticipate the response from David because David had returned to the Lord. He had repented all those things. And was operating by the spirit, not out of the flesh. So there is a difference, right? A fleshly human perspective would be to celebrate, right? Oh man, my greatest enemy, if you will, is dead. Right? The the person that is in the way of me getting to the place the Lord said he had for me, being the king of Israel in this case. However, that wasn't David's re response or answer. It was remorse for Saul. Because he had recognized what had happened with Saul. And also because he had a great friend in Jonathan that was also dead. Yes. So there was lots of remorse. Which superseded the, I'll say, blessing and benefit of, okay, well now, yes, clearly I'm going to be the king. Nice. He was more concerned about the people. But that goes back to his nature and character, even as a child, as being a shepherd, caring for the sheep, right, even at the expense of his own life. Does that make sense? Are there any questions? Okay. Mm -hmm. Anything else that, that the Holy Spirit pointed out, sir? I also kind of found it interesting that I 
when the Amalekite said he saw Saul leaning on his spear, okay, I found it interesting because I thought Saul had a sword, not a spear. Like what weapon he was carrying to battle? Yes. So the Amalekite's story didn't match up with the one that was given. Also true. Yes, details were are different. Now that's in verse 4. Chapter 31, verse 4. Saul, therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. It also kind of reminds me of ourselves when we think we've done such a great deed, we tend to add det um, erroneous details. details to try and make it seem like we did better. And then what happens? We get caught off our line. <laughs> Just speak the truth. That's it. Uh, right? The Lord's word is truth, but we he also heard be truthful, be righteous. Yeah. Be like the Lord, right? That's, that's what he's saying. Be perfect, be holy, for I am holy, right? The Lord's not a man that he should lie. So we should be truthful. Yes. Okay. That's a good point. Anything else? Well, I noticed from the the perspective of um, for David, just looking, we've been we've been tracking the life of a believer mm -hmm. and what it looks like for them. David had no knowledge of what message Saul got from the the median, right, or from you know that whole experience where Samuel came up, right. He did. David didn't know about that. Exactly. So David is the one. David's walking around with a promise from the Lord, right? He went through his his season of desperation and being um, despondent and his response and his feelings toward the Lord where he departed and started killing people unnecessarily and um, living a wayward lifestyle, right? Sowing those seeds into his destiny and his future of going to raiding the villages and killing everybody off so nobody could tell what he was doing, right? You guys remember that? Yes. And then he had his opportunity when they were calling up for battle and whatnot. He went to go serve the Philistines, and they said, no, you can't do this. Go back home. And when he got home, he found that his home had been raided and his wives and daughters and sons and everybody's stuff had been carried off, right? Yes. And then he returned to the Lord, asked God, what should I do? And God said, pursue them and you won't fail to recover all. Right, and we see that that yes. period of restoration for David, where he got back on the right track, and he went off to go fight that battle, but he had no clue what God had already told Saul. Yes. Today you're going to die. You you and your sons are going to be here with me. That's what Samuel said, roughly. Yes. And it looks like that sometimes for us as believers when we're walking with God. We have a promise, and we're like, "This is all I see." This is my perspective. This is what I have knowledge of. And we don't have insight of what God is doing behind the scenes. We, he didn't know what was happening for Saul exactly. that day. That today was going to be the day or the next couple of days he's going to be made king. He doesn't know that. All he knows is to keep trusting the Lord. Right? Yes. yes. So you see him going off to fight this battle, re returning to the Lord and repenting, being restored, and going out to the battle that God sent him to and recovering his family and everything else and then dealing with the people that were worthless and going don't give them anything but their wives and their their children 
otherwise they don't get any spoil. And David said, no, that's not right. So he's restoring his um, team, if you will, and that portion of the kingdom that had been assigned to him that he was governing over, as in the people that were following him at the time. He restored them. He taught them how to love each other and walk with one another. The person that stays behind with the supplies is just as important as the person that goes to fight. They learn that lesson. You know, he's he's bringing them together in unity, right? And then he just, he kind of walked into destiny. Where now this little man came up and brought him the, the bracelet that was on Saul's arm and the crown. And now he's like, oh my, here it is in my lap. The thing that he had been desiring and waiting for just showed up for him. But he wasn't secretly watching. You know, he wasn't even a part of Saul's camp anymore to know what was going on. The the blow by blow, the bits exactly. by bits. He had to ask this individual, how do you know that this Like, what's going happened? on? I mean, for all David knew, they couldn't even, they might not even been in that battle. They could have been at the house or back at the kingdom and everybody else was fighting. Or they could have been in the rear. They didn't necessarily have to be in the midst of the, the fight. He didn't know. So you see an element that's important for us to keep in mind is that just go mm -hmm. do what God asks you to do. Just keep a good heart and a good attitude towards the Lord, believing that he will do you good and not become despondent with the way things feel or the way things look or the way they seem. And those, those three words should be indicators because that's not what God said. You're not going, God said, God told me, God promised. It is written, it seems like, it feels like, it looks like. It's not going a certain way, right? Yes. But stay in hope towards the Lord, knowing that he is going to accomplish his word. His word does not return to him void. And if you stay with him, you can't help but come into the things that he's called you to. You can't help but be have to hope to see it while you're in the land of the living, the goodness from the Lord. That's your expectation. Don't give up on it. But when you get despondent, when you start getting into your emotions and this is how I feel today and this is what my eyes see or my ears hear. It seems like that's when you start talking like that, it seems like that's almost a direct indicator that the enemy is speaking in your ear. Because you see this like, played out here in verse 10. What did the Amalekites say? So I stood over him and killed him because I was sure that he couldn't live after he had fallen. And I took his stuff, his crown that was on his head and his bracelet that was on his arm, and I brought them here to my Lord, or to David, in this case. Human perspective. Yeah. Not letting the Lord be the Lord. To raise up, right? And it says, the Lord says, I raise up kings and I sit them down. He appoints or appoints kings, depending on your translation. So, but also we see that, especially in, throughout Jesus' time. Oh, this person, oh, they're going to die. They're, they're extremely ill. Well, and he raised them up. Oh, they were already dead in Lazarus' case. And he raised them from the grave. The Lord can do what he wants. Let's let the Lord be the Lord of every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. Which you see the results. Which I would say that is probably why David was so upset with this Amalekite. Because he took things matters into his own hands. David could have, you know, was tempted in the same way. Mm -hmm. But he let the Lord be the Lord. So he was, I would, you would argue, was upset because someone else, clearly living in the land, contrary to what was reported, right? Oh, I just so happened to be on this mountain and saw this battle. Nobody, 
runs to a battle. Nobody just happens to be there, right? The the go is to <laughs> escape, right? <laughs> Clearly, there's, there's bad stuff happening in this area. I need to get out of here. But no, he's mm-hmm. stuck around. He, he sought it out, the Semalachite. And what was the result? And I'm costing him his life. He took matters into his own hands, whether mm-hmm. it was through lying or through actually killing Saul. Yeah, I mean, because he, he still did have some details. He had, He did that were consistent what was said even though they were you know what i mean like some things how did you know they were chasing him down where were you to see that clearly close by and even if he poked him there's just to do an extra run through to make sure they're dead i think he did that that's just me <laughs> it, it is probable he might have still been going uh, uh, if, you know but but some of these facts were clearly twisted and right, then, they weren't they weren't it was 100 percent accuracy and that, and I so it's still that. a lie there's still deception so it's still a lie. I agree with that. But the, the fact of him going, the words that he said to the armor bearer, but it wouldn't, for me, it wouldn't be a hard stretch to think Saul would ask him as well. And the armor bearer just, the armor bearer I don't necessarily expect to be a, a, a valiant person, a man of war. Your job is just to protect the king, per se, and do what he tells you to do. Or take care of his armor. Polish it, just, make sure he looks gleaming. Mm-hmm. Just, just hold it so... By the characteristics that they discuss, I don't know that this was a valiant man. Like, well, I'm going to stop your hand, King, and you're not going to do this, and we're going to ride away and get away <laughs> and escape. So he may have fallen on his sword, but somehow this little Amalekite was there close enough to hear the words coming out of Saul's mouth, close enough to see what was going on. And, yes, he clearly devised a plan to get some attention and think, oh, I'm going to help this out and get something for get himself. Rewarded. Yeah. as well, et cetera, et cetera. I think he was doing David a favor, whatever the, the case may be, but he was close enough to hear something. And he was close enough to probably do something, like, yeah, I'll help you out. Whereas uh, an Israelite will be like, no, I know what a big deal this is. To an Amalekite, hey, 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 fair. <laughs> fair game. Right, exactly. Yes. So... I, I don't, I, for me, I don't doubt that he poked him with the spear. Like, I'll help you out. If you're still breathing a little bit, a couple jabs, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But um, either way, the Lord didn't go, you lied, and now you're going to die. He said, your words are, your words, what did it say? The blood is on your own head, for your yeah. own mouth is testified uh-huh. against you. So you, you told what you did, what you really did. Even if you secretly stabbed him afterwards to make sure he was dead, Hey, either way, you should have kept your hands from it. Either way. He believed it in his heart and confessed it with his mouth, right? That, yes. So, so there you go. So, I, um, I want you all to stay focused. Each, each of us has a word from the Lord. We have a whole Bible here filled with the promises of God. Look into it. Find out what they are. Listen to the Holy Spirit and let him minister them to your, to your spirit and to your heart, that they become alive and real to you, that you know who he called you to be, and then believe him concerning it. There are going to be times where it looks like nothing's happening. And the keynote is it looks like. It's not for us or you or me as a believer to be watching over God's shoulder. No, <laughs> he didn't not. ask us to, to make sure he did his job. He's God all by himself. He's not the one that fails. We are. So but also, our- we have to be looking with our spiritual eyes, right? You mm-hmm. have um, yes. Elisha, right? 
that was there and his servant when they were surrounded. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, Lord, open his eyes that he could see. There's more with us than there are with them. And then all of a sudden there's chariots and angels with swords and, I mean, surrounding them. Ready to go to work. So how can we look at things from a human perspective, natural perspective, and and then tell the Lord he's not doing what he said he'd do? How does that work? There are things that you... That need to be revealed to you. It can only be done through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking, what are you looking with? From human perspective or from God's? Mm-hmm. And if you're struggling and having a hard time, go, Holy Spirit, tell me the truth. Show me what's going on. Show me. That's, that's his job. That's what Jesus, when he was so excited about the Holy Spirit... Right? His, yes, his time of transitioning out of his earthly ministry, he's like, I'm leaving and I'm going to send the comforter. Like, it's better for you if I go and the comforter comes. Like, like no, you, you need him <laughs> you for your ministry. Him. For he's, life, for ministry, for everything. It's so much better everything. for you to have where he was limited in an earthly form to be in one place at one time. Yes, he can speak the word, but he was where he was. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He knows, God knows who he is. And right? what is the Holy yes. Spirit's role? Mm-hmm. To take from God heavenly father and disclose it to us through jesus right jesus said he'll take what's mine and he says i have all things that belong to him from the father right yes. he guides us the holy spirit guides us into all truth he tells us the truth he does not lie to us he's going to tell you the truth so ask him to show you the truth and he shows you things to come he takes what belongs unto jesus and declares it unto us jesus is not saying something separate from the heavenly father Right? Yes. yes. And all things belong to Jesus. As he right? says, I and the Father are one, but also mm-hmm. I say what the Father says and mm-hmm. I do what the Father does. Amen. Absolutely. Nothing on my own initiative. Only as he commands. So you never have to worry about him sending you the wrong way. If your eyeballs are looking and they, they go, this is the wrong way, quiet them. Be still in your place. And go, Holy Spirit, help me to see what you see. The Bible says that we're seated with him in heavenly places, correct? Yes. So take your seat. Remember that. Come to that place in yourself. Be quiet. Quiet your soul. Quiet that doubtful talking. Quiet those emotions. Bring them into the captivity of Jesus Christ and make them be still. And declare, Lord, I know that I'm seated with you in heavenly places, my Lord Christ Jesus. Help me to see things from your perspective. Holy Spirit, who teaches you all things. Holy Spirit, you teach me all things. Show me the truth. Guide me into all truth because I know that's who you are. I know that's what your job is and your role in my life today. You are Kamisha's God. Show Kamisha what to do or, you know, put your name in there. (laughs) I appreciate the prayers, but (laughs) you need it to be effective and applied to you. And this is something that I put into practice all the time, especially when I'm getting tired, the Bible tells us to be not weary in well-doing, right? Yes. But in due season, we'll reap if we faint not. There we get tired. God understands that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was like, hey, get up. <laughs> the Spirit is uh, Also in the wilderness, right? That after he was tested at the end of the 40 days, then what happened? Oh, the angels came and ministered to him. He was afterwards hungry, and he was tired. And when the enemy came, did he fail? No. no, what did he do? It is written. 
He leaned Which, on the Holy Spirit. Strengthening himself in the Lord, in his word. So this is what you've written, right? So so I can stand on these promises because they are yes and amen. Let every, but also it's our amen. We have to come into alignment and agreement with it. Amen. Yes. So let let God be found true, and every man or thing a liar that competes with Him that compares itself to the Most High God mm -hmm. and is found lacking. Amen. So you can see from David to us today. The troubles that are, the Bible calls them, tr the troubles that are common to man. Exactly. Who is, we have an adversary. Who is the devil, Satan, trying to disrupt and derail. And the fleshly um, arena that we're in, because it's sin is involved now, through Adam and Eve, and God love them, not, not accusing them or finding fault. It's just a fact of what happened. They allowed sin, Adam in particular, allowed sin to come in through the generations, but it was both of them. So now we have to deal with the flesh that has to be buffeted and made and brought into made to be brought into subjection to the the will and the word of the most high god through jesus christ and the holy spirit helps us with that so we have to fight that fight and not get tired of it not be weary but to stand on the word of god having done all to stand stand keep that armor on but the biggest thing is your mouth your mouth which we see by this I would say this poor little <laughs> Amalekite, <laughs> by his mouth, his confession, the words of his mouth would have either justified him or condemned him. Unfortunately, they condemned him. But for us as believers, when you put the word of God in your mouth, now the ministering angels got something to work with on your behalf. Now the father can come and you've given him permission instead of accusing him and going, you ain't doing nothing, Lord, I had never seen nothing. But going, yes, you are who you said you are, most high God. I'm having a hard time today. Please help me. I'm struggling. He can work with that. But it's not you accusing him. Exactly. Now now you've got, you've you given. Can, you can acknowledge where you're at. Mm -hmm. But don't remain there. Mm -hmm. Be willing to move forward with the Lord. Right? It's not just, that's not complaining. Mm -hmm. We can acknowledge where we're at. That was just very different from complaining. Mm -hmm. But it's a. Uh, a choice to whether we're going to remain in that place or we're going to get up, stand up, and move forward. And it is totally that, your choice. I can't choose for you. God won't choose for you. He can't. He's already given you his choice. He's already set his word in motion. This is, this is what it is. But when you choose to follow him and you, you feel like, Lord, I'm just having a hard time. You, you just might be struggling. Call out to him. He'll support you. He'll bring you through. But if you go, never mind, I'm going to go do wrong. I refuse to believe you, most high God. And I'm going to go do something else that I know is wrong against you and contrary to you. How can you have hope in that situation? You still yeah. are in the place you have to come back. You look so serious down there, Promise. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Okay. All right, let's, let's continue. I guess I want to read verse 17 through the end of the chapter, please. I will. All right, promise. All right. Then David lamented this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son, and he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the boat. Indeed, it is written in the book 
of Jesser. 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 Thank you. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. Hmm. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ascalon. Least the darts of the Philistines rejoice. Least the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of offspring, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of salt not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword, did, the sword of Saul did not return empty. Some of Jonathan were beloved and pleasant, pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions, O darts of Israel. Weep over Saul, who clothed, clothed you in scarlet with luxury. Who put ornaments of gold on your apparel? How the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. So, what questions, comments, or what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you in that section of Scripture? That even in the, when David was singing the song, he wasn't, he still respected Saul, and he didn't badmouth him. Not at all. He talked about his best attributes. All the good things about him versus what he did in, in his later life. And he wanted the people to remember him for the high points of his life, not his shortcomings. Amen. Well. Love covers a multitude of sins. Exactly. I I appreciated the beauty of Israel. I have that yes. that ref, um, referring to him in that way. Because that's how the Lord referred to him early on. He was beautiful, more beautiful than everybody else, and taller. Right, and and exactly, head and shoulders above everyone. and Exactly. Yeah. That was kind. But and also about his accomplishments. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, not the, I'll say the conquest that, or endless warfare. That all but led nowhere. But what was actually accomplished? What the Lord used him for? United Israel. Right? He was the first king, exactly. Mm -hmm. He brought about freedom and he helped others mm -hmm. to get their freedom, right? As we went over in First yes. Samuel. And that was kind of how the Lord used him right off the bat to mm -hmm. bring people together. He writes about all those things. He also writes about uh, Saul's son, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And again, all great attributes. And he acknowledges their relationship, mm -hmm. as in their relationship towards the Lord, how they were alike in that aspect. 
Christian bonded man. Exactly. Nothing homosexual in what he was saying. Not at all. Pure, friend, brotherly kind of love, a deep love. Which the Lord describes as right as that of a friend that's closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. That's what you see David defining and describing here. Mm-hmm. What it looks like. I also found it interesting that he called it the bow. That was Jonathan's weapon, wasn't it, that he gave him? No, that he utilized to warn him when Saul was going to hunt him down and kill mm-hmm. him. He shot the arrows. He shot arrows his way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I found that interesting. Also, how do you understand or what do you know of the book of Jasher? If you look back in Joshua, chapter 10, something very significant happens in that chapter. Joshua asked the Lord to hold the sun still to rid them of their enemies. So it's still daylight. Yes. They can't escape under cover of darkness, if you will, or anything. And in verse, uh, let me find it. So in, from verses 12 through 13, all right, he acknowledges and, and writes about what the Lord did. All right, we say, sun stands still at Gibeon, and the moon in the valley of Ahijalon, so the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. And then he says, is it not written in the book of Jasher? Right? Acknowledging those things. So, um, to... What verse were you reading again, honey? Uh, it was... 13. Yes, Joshua, chapter 10, verse 13 is where it mentions the book of Jasher. But I'm bringing it up because if we were to put this in, the book itself, the book of Jasher, is a, how to describe it, it's a, a book of accomplishments and of thing, memorable things that clearly the Lord has done, right? Memorable moments, whatever. We would probably describe it as a journal, if you will. Or like a museum. Well, it's a book, so it can't be a museum. But it yes, can't be a museum, but journals are more personal. But sure. a museum is a better example because it's huge accomplishments, significant history. events, exactly. But to the people versus to the entire world, a, a unique individual. So, like a journal is my accomplishments, and you guys sure. might care, you might not. But when things that are accomplished as a people, as a group, as a team, if you will. Yes. Might go somewhere a little bit. Um, this they did things similar, putting it up before the Ark of the Covenant. They certain things went in it as a testimony for remembrance. Exactly. So I bring this up because of what we were discussing earlier today about remembering those things, standing on God's promises and the things He's done in our lives. Right? We're to remember those things. Right? Uh, Moses says, "Teach." Oh, the Lord through Moses said. Teach your children these things. 
right? As they lay down, as they get up, as they go about their day, right? Teach them about the Lord. But in teaching them about the Lord, what does it also do? The things that the Lord has done in our lives is a, a testimony mm-hmm. to the Lord or about the mm-hmm. Lord of what he's done, mm-hmm. but also encourages us mm-hmm. in those those hard times, those times of trials or struggles where we may be tired, but mm-hmm. we need to strengthen ourselves so we can stand, so we can move forward. Stir up the gifts, if you will. Exactly. Um, encourage ourselves. Um, but what, like what Abraham would do was they would put a heap of stones up, like a yes. memorial before the Lord to remember and testify of the things that they've done. But we always have to carry that with us. That's why God would go, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God that delivered you out of Egypt. I'm the God that did this for you, and I did et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not minimizing those things, but there's he, so many. He labels them yes. out exactly. I could go on forever and what he's done, and the, that's our example to stir them up on the inside, it increases your faith, right? And, the, and uh, I believe it's Revelation says, we overcome them, that is the world, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You can't get victory off of my testimony. I mean, you can believe it, but it's your own testimony of what God has done for you. You can't get salvation off of my confession of faith, nope. but off your own individual confession of faith. You see that exact thing played out in John. In the book of John, where the Lord, or Jesus, heals the blind man. And then what happens? There's all sorts of arguments. And trying to have disprove who Jesus is. And, and always under the threat of throwing people out of the synagogue, out of the temple. Excommunicating them, whatever phrase you want to use, way to describe that. But that's throwing them out. So, but what happens? There's a, a key verse in there where it says that some of the Pharisees believed. But Paul, in his writing, the Apostle Paul, says, you believe in your heart unto righteousness, Mm -hmm. but then you confess with your mouth to salvation. Unto salvation, absolutely. So, in looking at that, now we have to understand, or we should be able to better understand, what Jesus says when he makes the statement, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you have to do more than just believe it with your heart. It's about confessing. Jesus also says, or the Word also says, um, those that confess me before men, I'll confess before my Father Mm -hmm. in heaven. Mm -hmm. So confession is key, and it is important. And what we confess is, is absolutely important. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I believe it's Romans 10, tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I can talk to you, but until you put your faith into action, until you put those words in your own mouth and speak them out, this is the God that delivered me out of that test I had to take last week, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but he helped me come through and get over it. This is the God that kept me safe and fed me when I didn't have any money or clothes or whatever it is. You have to speak that out of your mouth because you don't believe anybody more than you believe yourself. You can tell me all day long, but if I have a different mindset on it or opinion, your words are going in one ear and out the other. They're just air blowing around. And I'll look at you like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if I have a different opinion, you're not going to persuade me. 
But when I'm persuaded and I hear myself declaring what I believe, you can't stop that. That's why the Bible says, take no thought. Jesus says, take no thought by saying. Take no thought by saying. Well, you want to have the results and the outcome and the produce of the things of God. Take his thoughts and say. Act like he acts. Declare things before him. Say what he says to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Say what he's already told you to say. Remember him. Speak well of him because he's a good God. And every good and perfect thing comes from him. Mm -hmm. So if he tells you to say something, it's for your good. Mm -hmm. He'll bless and benefit you in your life. Yes. So trust him. Believe. Have faith. Now what he tells you is good mm -hmm. and good for you. Mm -hmm. Even Mark eleven twenty three, same concept. All right. Believe and say, right? Yes. yes. Say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and believe in his heart and does not doubt he will have whatsoever he saith. And when you stand praying, forgive, forgive. Mm -hmm. Forgive. Those concepts, those truths carry throughout God's word because he is who he is. He is who he said he is. And he will do and be the things that he said he will do and be. He is your friend. He is your God. He is your Lord. He is your savior. He is your lover, your counselor, your companion. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that he said about himself, he is that. Right, And he will be yes. that in your life when you allow him, when you, you open the door and let him in. You have to be willing. If you, you have do. to allow. You have, it's a mm -hmm. choice. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. You can be the savior of your finances if you allow him. He can be the savior of your education if and when you open the door and let him in and allow him. He's knocking at the door. Knock, 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 knock. Your will marriage, you let me in? your life, whatever Absolutely. aspect of your life. He, Parenting. Exactly. Can, is willing, wants to be. He is those, he, the savior of all those things. Mm -hmm. You have to allow him. He's left nothing undone. He's, he said, it is finished. You know, like the umpire when the, the player, the baseball player sliding across home plate. And he goes, safe. God said, it's finished. It's, it. it's, it's done. Yes. You can't change it. It is finished. So let him be who he said he will be in your life. Amen. All right, well, let's close there for today, and we will, we'll continue tomorrow. Well, I don't know how we got all the way over there, but glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Who <laughs> would like to close us out in prayer? We promise. All right, promise. Yay. Go for it, sir. God, I just thank you for revealing us, revealing to us what you want us to do, and then showing us the consequences of our actions before we actually commit the action. Okay, I also thank you for just telling us, letting us know that
just letting us know that Give, before we come, when we think about doing something that you always show us the possibilities, then tell us actually how to do it correctly. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.